reminded the story that's told of the new minister that came to the church and first Sunday there. And uh, he finished the sermon, and he went back to the door to greet people. And as he was greeting, a young fellow came through the door and, and uh, shook his hand. And he said, that was the most boring service I've ever been in in all my life. Well, it wasn't too much of encouragement to the pastor, but he moved on. And several other people, you know, come through and was congratulating him and talking to him. And this fellow showed up again. He said, that message had nothing to say. You blew it. And he walked on. He continued, and pretty soon he showed up the third time. This time he said, you might as well not even preached. And so the pastor went to the elder and said, I don't understand this. He said, uh, "What? this guy, who is he? What's, what's the story behind him? He's been in this line three times telling all these things, he said, oh, don't pay no attention to him. He's a little slow. All he does is go around repeating what he hears everybody else say. <laughs> How true it is. I want to share with you this morning, I appreciated that last song, especially because it talks about God being holy. And I, I have a message this morning that that's kind of troubling me through the last couple of years, being in different places and preaching and being in ministers' meetings. And, and uh, I, I, I listen to a scripture that comes from uh, uh, the book of First Peter. First Peter talks about this. Peter, in chapter number 1, dropping down to verse 13, says, Peter said, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I. Am holy. And then I turn back one book in the Bible and, and I read from Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14 would be my text. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy, for without holiness no one will see the Lord. Holiness. The question that I have is, whatever happened to holiness and morals in the life of the Christian? In our world today, we find that morals in the United States has declined. If not, you're not careful, it's easy to get swept up in that. In the day that we live, it's so easy. In this, we, we find that in this place, many people in the world today have a very low concept of values. God is not as important as He one time was to most people today that live among us. If He was, they would be living differently. God is put on the back burner. Morals and character is kind of slipped away. Sexuality is promoted on television. 
You know, I thought about this, you know, when I know it's been a while. But 60 years ago, when I was courting my now wife, we could not sit and watch television of what we see today. Because of the morals that we see in our nation. And I think about that. Because my grandmother was a preacher. And I can remember when my dad came home. He had been a, he's a contractor and he'd worked for somebody that had a, a small used black box about that big and about that wide. It was plastic. It was called a TV. He brought it home and mom had a cabinet in the kitchen where all she worked off of all the time and had the bins in it. But they set that TV up on that cabinet. And then he run a wire out and they had a coat hanger on it. And he turned it on and there was all this snow, but you could see these little images. I had never seen a television before. It was exciting. And so, I, and they turned it on and they flipped through a few channels and, and I can remember it, it, it was Howdy Doody and Clarabelle back then. Okay? But you know what? I can remember you was only certain times that you would turn that on and get to watch it. But I'll never forget my grandmother coming for dinner. She came for dinner and she spotted that box up on that cabinet. She said, I can't believe, Oscar Swagger, that you would bring the devil into the house. That thing is of the devil. And I'm thinking, Grandma, shut up. <laughs> but you know what? She was right. She was a prophet before her time. Because, you see, today you could not sit on the living room couch and watch as two young people together and watch anything hardly on that television anymore without feeling that this, especially as a Christian, is not right. And so when I think about today's world, Sexuality promoted on television, the internet, the movies, the books, the magazines, communications, the advertisements. You can't do an advertisement without it being sexually today. Why is all this happening? I think part of the reason is it's the church's fault. I'm a pastor. I, I, I've been in this thing for over 55 years. And you know what? I hear so little preached about morals. So little talked about. And so when I begin to think about this, many young people have never been taught anything about Christ-like character of holy living. Immorality is at a record high in our society. And yet our young people don't understand. They, they've not been told it. They've not been preached to. Because there's some parents says, we don't want that kind of preaching. We'll get rid of that guy. You see, we need to teach. We're seeing a lack of character in every segment of society. Many people, including Christians, don't think of godly care as, a, as, as something that's all that important anymore. You know why? Because in the church today, we, we, we dress like the world. We talk like the world. We listen to the music that the world listens to. We go to the movies that the world goes to. And so, why would we be any different? You 
see, the problem is most people don't know what holiness is. I can remember a time when contracts never were written. My dad was a contractor, and many times he would go out and look on a job, draw a plan, show them to the people, and say, this is what you want. They'd shake hands on the thing, and, and he'd go to work. You try that today without a contract in writing. I remember my very first pastor, we were building, and, and we went to the bank, and we had an elder couple in our church that wanted to give some money, and he said to me, Pastor, if you're going up to, to, to the hospital, he said, you're going right by that bank, would you go with me? And he said, I'd like to introduce you to the banker anyway. We went into the bank, and he, he called for the girl to get the manager, and the manager come over, and he said, well, how you doing, Brother Wes? I haven't seen you in a little while. Wes' name was Wes Lee. Had a whole household of preachers in his family. But I went to the bank, and he introduced me as their new little preacher. I was little back then. And uh, he, he's a little preacher, and, and he said, no, we're in a building program. And he said, uh, you know, we, Ellen and I, we want to give $500 to this building campaign. And he said, we just thought maybe we just, uh, we, we'll pay it back in a few months. And the fellow looked over to the girl at the counter and said, go get Wesley $500. We're standing there talking, and he come over, and he counted it out to him, said, there it is, Wes. He shook hands and said, okay, thank you much, and we went out the door. I tell you, you couldn't get $5 from the bank today without signing a bunch of papers. And the reason for that is, is because of the dishonesty of our nation, of the morals of our nation, that we can't do that any longer, because you can't trust people. Well, let me just say, I, I think what's wrong? I begin to ask myself, what is wrong? It seems to be the well accepted by the majority in our land that something is wrong. Something is wrong in our country. And too many people are not happy with the political realm that we have. There are many people that are not happy with the morals and the society and the spiritual trend of our time. We are in a spiritual cultural war today church and we need to look at we need to open our eyes and begin to realize that ancient landmarks have been removed ancient landmarks that have been there for years and years are being removed truths that one time stood the test of time are being rejected biblical principles that guided our civilization such as the ten commandments is no longer to be allowed to be hung in a courthouse why? Because, you see, we have failed to take our stand. We have failed to live up to the morals that God has given us. The church, which is supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, is also engulfed in scandals. But it seems that the church has lost its mission. It's lost its passion. The church today, as we see it, has lost its vision of divine authority. My friend, to step in the gap and, and to help. You say, well, how do you know all of this? Let me tell you something. I grew up in a time when we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, had Sunday school for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. And I'm going to tell you something. Had Babel, had camp meetings that went from for 10 days, and they would preach on the things that we are not preaching on today. Every camp meeting would talk about how to get saved and how to get in part of the church. Not join the church. Get born in the church. We had camp meetings that would preach on divine healing and people would come and bring their neighbors from all around. And I've seen it with these eyes. I've seen when God's healed bodies. 
They talk about being more beyond salvation of getting saved, saved, but getting, getting sanctified, getting filled with the Spirit so that the Spirit could lead you. Oh, we had camp meetings, my friend. But you know why they cease? Because nobody wants to hear that kind of preaching anymore. Nobody wants to do it. And they, they say, well, you just can't keep it to come. You just can't get them to do it. Well, let me tell you something. A spiritual apathy and carelessness and unconcern seems to have put the church of God in, 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 in a place of ease. We're not comfortable with it, but we don't say much about it. Heaven doesn't entice people. Hell doesn't repel them. The voice of the Word of God doesn't trouble us as long as we can enjoy a measure of prosperity and we can feel a little bit good by going to the church and we can feel wonderful that we gave some toothpaste and toothbrushes to some people that need help. (laughs) You know what? That's wonderful. But where's the passion for the man and the woman that is lost, that needs Christ in their heart and their life? What happened to the message of the church? Where are we today? There is something that troubles me today as a preacher. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not so much the loss of morality and moral decay, even though that makes me sick. It's not the violence that has invaded our streets and our homes and our schools, even though that is a dangerous thing. It's not the moral immoral perversion, my friend, that demands abortion on demand and same-sex marriage. And even though those things turn my stomach, my friend, it's not, it's, it's not the open war that is placed upon God against Him and against the Bible and against prayer, even though it sends chills down my palm, knowing the outcome that this will have. Let me tell you something. When we begin to take the Bible out of the school, when we quit having the Bible in public places, my friend, our morals begin to fall. And our children have lost it because, you see, most people are not teaching it and reading it for themselves. So, you know, it was wonderful to have them out there where you could see them once in a while. But what, my friend, what is this going to have on our world today? But more importantly, what's it going to have on our children tomorrow? What will it be like for these three young people today that graduated from high school and is moving on to a new portion in their life? Let me encourage you, stay with the church. The key, the problem that most people have and most young people have is once they graduate from high school... As Lisa mentioned, they, they're now 18. They're now, I, I, I'm an individual. I'm an adult. I, I have my own rights. I have my own freedom. And you do have them. But you know what? The freedoms that you have is limited when you have the power and the presence of God in your life. Because God will guide you in the right direction. You see, it's what's needed in the world today. That's the leadership that's needed. But what really troubles me most is that professing Christians are getting used to the dark. What troubles me is that people who claim to be disciples of Christ have become at ease in the church. What troubles me is that present, professing Christians are more um, troubled by a service, that, and, and by the way, we've shrunk it down to one a week. And then we have people that say, well, well, that service, that preacher preached, and then people came to that. And you know what? They spent as much time at the altar as they did in him preaching. And it just a little, and we ought to do something about it. We ought to put a prayer room back here so we can get out and go to the restaurant. 
You see, the problem is, is that we get more upset over too much time on the one time of week that we have to get out of the church building than we do about the lost soul that's trying to get saved or the body that needs to be healed or the person that needs to be filled with the Spirit. Now, I know that's not popular preaching. You, you know, and you could throw me out because I'm not hired here, you know. <laughs> but that's all right. That's all right, you know. I thought about that, you know. The Bible says, as we look at this, you know, that what troubles me is that the things that become less and less sinful every day, accepted in the lives and in our homes and in our church, and what once was light of our life has become darkness. We're living in a dark world. What troubles me most is that that across the church, my friend, people aren't troubled by this. The Bible says that the righteous perish and no man takes it to heart. When I see the church in the state she's in today, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a movement. We're in trouble, church. We no longer have an international convention where we can come together and we can agree on things and we can inspire young preachers and, and older preachers to know the truth of why we are the church. You know what? We've kind of got away from all of that. Now we just have a little spit here and there around the nation. But you don't preach nothing. It ain't gonna, it's not worth me paying $1,000 or $2,000 to go to Oklahoma to hear somebody that's not even a Church of God preacher preach. I mean, we go for the entertainment. Oh, we got wonderful music. We got wonderful guys that have it all put together. And, and what they say is good, but it doesn't challenge the church. You see, unless the church gets under a burden for the city out here that we're living in, unless we don't get a burden for, for those people that deliver our mail, that give us our groceries, that, that helps us when we pay our way in a gas station. We need to have concern for those people. We need to know whether they're right with God or not. That's what we're all about. But we're not doing it. Where is the passion? Where is the prayer that changes lives? Where is the, the prevailing prayer that will move God and that will move the conviction on the hearts of people that sit in the sanctuary? I appreciate so much Louise saying this morning, not that God anoints me, that God anoints you as well. Because unless you feel the vacuum, unless you feel the need, unless you feel the power, my friend, it's only good. I can have all the power there is and enjoy it, but my friend, it don't do any good if you don't get something. You see, where is that passion? Where is the power in the Word that can change a man or a woman's life? Come into those doors as a sinner and walk out as a saint. Forgiven. Totally forgiven by the power of where is the prevailing prayer that will move God's heart and melt the hearts of the people with conviction? Are we not missing something? Don't you think maybe we've forgotten something along the way? Something's gone. The prophet said it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to return unto the Lord and rent our hearts and not our garments. You know, we, we Christians today... We should place a higher value on character than anybody else. There ought to be a higher price paid, my friend. Immorality should never, let me repeat that, immorality should never 
happen in a Christian's life. And the problem that we have today is, is that we cover that stuff up. When somebody does something, we say, oh, well, that's just, that, that's just the world, you know. They just watch too many movies or they got with the wrong crowd. Let me tell you something. That's why we go back to the book of Peter where he said that Jesus Christ made a change in your life. So therefore, you control your life. Don't blame everybody else. I do what I want to do, and you do what you want to do. Let's face it. But we want to blame everybody else. Many unsaved people will never pick up a Bible. Many of them will never pick up a Bible. We have a neighbor in our neighborhood. We, I don't know why we got in that neighborhood, but we, we, we love everybody on that street, and we, we know a lot of them, do a lot of things for them. But we have one elderly lady, her family goes away, they call us, and my wife goes and checks on her, and she's a wonderful lady. Lynn is a wonderful person, but uh, very intelligent. But she's not sure everything in the Bible is right. And so when we get to talking about things, and my wife was talking to her, and, and she come home and she said, you know, I think Elaine was a little bit cool today. She got to trying to figure out. You know how we do? We try to figure it out. She said, I suppose it was because we were talking about hell last week. And she said she didn't believe there was a place like well, it makes no difference whether you believe it or not. The book says there is. We <laughs> got another fellow up the street. <laughs> he woke me up Saturday morning, 3.45 in the morning with a text. I heard that phone go off. I thought, what is it? And Beverly said, you better check it. Maybe it's an emergency. I looked at the number. I said, Bob, you know what he's doing? He's, a, he, he's all alone, and he's not a Christian, and he's fighting it. And he said, you know, there's this preacher that's in trouble. You need, to, you need to go to this, 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 and look it up and read about this. You see, he was picking at me because I was trying to, trying to witness to him, trying to help him to know. And I, I've done my share of that, and I continue to do it, and will continue to do it. But you know what? You've got to realize that the devil's going to fight us when we do it. This may be a little strong, but it's time, my friend, that we call wrong, wrong, and right, right. It's time that in the church, my friend, that no, nowadays we don't hear much preaching about it. So let me say this. If the preacher's not preaching it, then those of you that are born again in the kingdom of God and God has changed your life and the Holy Spirit's leading you, it's time for you to get out and preach it. It's time for you to share that message. It's time for you to witness to those people. My friend, because you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you have a responsibility to the people all around you outside of these walls. The Word of God puts high emphasis on Christian values and Christian's moral character. In fact, if you read in the Proverbs, the 11th chapter, you know, in verse number 3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their deceit. I read an article a number of years ago of a holiness church. And uh, down the street about a block from them, a guy bought a building, bought a lot, and he was putting up a building, and people began to ask what it was. And he finally realized that it was going to be, he called it a beer joint. It was a bar. And he was building this bar, and he said, man, we, you know, it's right on the street where our church is. This should not be right. So he went to the city council. They said, well, there's nothing that regulates that he should not. He's going to be two blocks away. That, you know, that's, that, that's his right. 
So the preacher got real disturbed about it, and so he began to talk to his congregation, and they began to hold prayer meetings, and they began to send letters out to other Christians in the community and said, pray, pray that this would not happen. Pray that this place never opens. But they kept building. They got the thing all finished and got it all ready, had a big announcement in the paper that was going to open on, on, on a Friday night. And there was the most terrible storm ever came to that community on Friday, on Saturday, Thursday night, early Friday morning. And you know what? Lightning came and the thunder came and that building caught on fire and burnt. And you know what the owner did? He took that church to court. He took the, I'm, I'm, a lawyer, I'm telling you, they took the church to court. And when he took the church to court, the lawyer for the bar said, these people are responsible. They prayed that that God they serve would destroy my place. It's their fault. And they said, we had nothing to do with that lightning. And the judge said, uh, you know what? we got a problem here. i got a bar that believes in prayer in a church that doesn't. <laughs> it's right. I mean, they prayed, but when it happened, they didn't have the integrity to stand up and say, absolutely we prayed when we didn't want that crappy place in our community. But you know what? That's the way we do things, is it not? So many times in the world, so many times, my friend, hypocrisy is when a person openly acts one way and secretly acts another. So the church in that community became very much with hypocrisy. I hope we're not today. Sometimes we call a person like that a chameleon. <laughs> and the chameleon is a little, little thing like that. You know, looks like a lizard. I went to school in Texas, and Jimmy was a little boy, and couple other kids, and they went to school too, you know. They had children there, and they'd go out and play, and they collect these things, you know. But you know, when it crawled on the grass, it was green. When it got up onto that metal fence, it turned silver. When it got onto the bark of the tree, it turned brown. You know, that chameleon could preach. Because that's exactly what people do today. It's who they're with. It's who they're around. And you know, we all have them. I had one fellow in one church that I pastored. He was a wonderful guy. I loved the guy. He loved me when he was around me. But you know what? When somebody would say, begin to talk about a doctrine or begin to talk about something, he'd get right in there. He was a real excited guy. He was a, he was a plumber. He, he got all excited about it. And, and, and he'd get into it. And then, and then somebody would come to me and say, well, you know, he believes in that. Nah, he don't believe in that. Him and his wife are really biblical people. They either, so when I go to see him, oh, no, I believe what you believe. You see, when he was with this people, he would believe one thing. When he was with somebody else, he believed another. And that's kind of the way we, that's how we lose our doctrine. That's how we lose our stance as the church of God. Because the first thing you know, we, we take that, you know, when we say we reach our hands in fellowship, we've dropped off the blood Today's world, we want the church of God to reach our hands in fellowship with everybody out here that's got a sign up that says Christian or that says church. That's not what our Bible teaches. The Bible says that we become brothers and sisters through the blood of Jesus Christ. That means we have to be saved. But the problem today is, is we are 
in, in so many stances, we can become so hypocritical. And I'm going to tell you something It reminds me, you know, this, this chameleon thing kind of reminds me a lot, a lot of the politicians today. You know, they'll tell you anything to get in office and do what they want to do. But you know what? The Bible is filled with stories of people who refuse to be, let deceit or hypocrisy in their lives. They wouldn't compromise for nothing. And so when you begin to think about it, let me give you a couple of them. And you all know the story. You've read them a hundred times. But way back in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 39, it talks about Joseph. After being sold into slavery, Joseph would not compromise his integrity when his master's wife tried to seduce him. And so because he refused her, Joseph was put in prison. He didn't do anything, but he was put in prison. But because he would not bend, and because he stayed to the truth, God was there, and he ended up being elevated to number two in the country at that time. Why? Because he wouldn't back down. We also find three men there are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over there in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, had a tough choice. They were ordered to worship the image, the golden calf. They were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace if they refused to, but they refused because they knew better. They knew that the God that they served would take care of them. And so when they opened that door and they threw them into the fiery furnace, then when the leader come by and they looked, he said, Man, you threw three and I see four. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. God delivered him. Now, if God will deliver Joseph and God will deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Meshach, what makes you think He won't deliver you? You see, I, I believe that. I believe that if I stand for what I know is true, that God will take care of us. You know what? I wonder, what do you do when the going gets tough? What do you do? You see, our character is important. Our integrity is important. And I'm going to give you one illustration because, and I've probably talked about this guy a lot of times, but it's because it's such a tremendous change in his life. One of the meanest guys in our community, and, and he was a road supervisor, and, and we were building in the church, and we needed a towel in our driveway. And, and so I called this guy. They told me that's who I called. I called John. I said, John, and then he came down to see me. And you know what? And in the conversation, he began to tell me about this towel that I needed, and, and he, I asked him where I can buy one, and he said, well, they're going to cost you money because you're going to need a long one. You need a certain size, and next day he come by, and he said, hey, preacher, got a minute? Yeah, John. He said, I got, the, I got the looking yesterday. He said, you know that towel you need? Up behind the building up there in the township, back in those high weeds, there's a towel that's exactly what you need. been laying there for years. He said, you know, I could bring that towel down here and I could put it in the entranceway. But you couldn't tell nobody. I said, John, you're asking me to steal a towel to put in the entranceway of the church driveway? Well, he said, it's been laying there forever. I said, no, no, no. We'll, we'll buy a towel. We'll, we'll pay for it. We just want to know if you'll put it in. Because you say, tell me you'll put it in. And I'm going to tell you something. Because of, he was putting me to the test. Because I'm going to tell you something. It was no time. 
until he started flirting around with us. He would stop by. He'd see my car sitting in the driveway. He'd come over to the house. He'd tell my wife to make coffee. We'd sit at our counter. We'd drink coffee. We'd talk about things. We'd, and this guy had been through the war, and he'd had a lot of problems. But you know what? It was because he was trying to find out whether we were authentic or not, whether or not we really believed what we preached or not. And you know what? He came to church. And when the first Sunday he came, I tell you, I tell you, I know he hadn't been in church never or a long time because nobody comes the first Sunday and sits on the second pew. And I tell you, he sat there and he absorbed everything I said. And when I went out, I mean, it wasn't no time until he hit that altar and got saved. And once he got saved, I'm going to tell you something, I didn't need billboards all over town. But he told everybody about our church. You know why? If I would have had a lack of integrity and would have accepted that, you know what he would have told the rest of the people? He has said, you know what, when you go down Beaver Street and up Euclid on the corner there, if you'll turn into that church, they got a stolen tile in the driveway. That's right. That's what he would have said. Because that's the way the devil works. What we need today is people of the character is not made in a crisis. Let me repeat that. Your character needs to be done today. Not in a crisis. Not when the push is on. You know what? In a crisis, character is only exercised. It's only put into action. Godly characters should be developed before the crisis strikes. And what is already in your hearts will come out even under the pressure. You know, Galatians chapter 5 has godly characteristics in it. And it talks about the characteristics. He said Some of the characteristics of godly characteristics is is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness. And then he says self-control. You know what? All of these others we can fake. But you can't say fake self-control. You know, you just can't do it. And you know, against these, he says, no, Jesus set the example of how we ought to live in our holy life. Now we talk and we like to preach a lot about, and I do, about the miracles of Jesus performed on His life. We like to talk about the cross and where He died for our sins, and and that's wonderful and we should. But if we look at His life, you will find the characteristics of godliness listed in this Scripture. Jesus showed each one of us how to live under pressure and how to act under pressure. He lived a godly life and set an example to follow. Listen, church, the destinies of your family. I want you to hear this. The destinies of your family as well as mine. And the people around us depend on your character. They depend on you, how you are, your lives, your words, your actions, your walk, You're either going to draw people to the Lord or you're going to push them away. That's a fact. You see, we have to draw them by your life. We have won more people to the kingdom of God at a table, either eating pie or a sandwich or soup 
or a cup of coffee or whatever it might be to sit with somebody and win them to make them realize that God was real in our lives before we could ever get them to come to Jesus Christ. Why? Because character is important. In this dark, desperate hour of our church movement, we need a God-sent, Holy Spirit-breathed revival. That's what the church needs. We need a conviction of our sins and thoroughly humble ourselves before God, confessing and repenting and doing restitution and prevailing prayer for refreshing times that comes from the presence of the Lord. You know what would be the greatest thing that could happen in the life of the church today is if people would come together in one mind, in one spirit, and ask God for the anointing upon each and individual's lives and saying, God... Fill me with your Spirit so that when I come with my brothers and sisters that the Spirit will be so strong that anybody from the outside that comes in cannot help but sense your presence and be fooled and conviction and forgiveness and repentance would happen. God wants us to forsake our old ways. Then He will forgive and He will heal and as the Scripture says, don't you think it's time to seek the Lord? Don't you think it's time for us as individuals to seek Him? Will this revival begin in me? Will it begin in you? Will the change and the turn come because of our life and our character? You know, it can and it will if we'll allow the God to do it in our lives. What we need in the church today more than anything else is people who are willing to say, God, don't let me be a limit to somebody else getting saved. Help me, Lord, to reach out. Help me to love. Help me to care. Help me even when somebody does something that I'm not real happy with to learn self-control that only you can give me through your spirit. What a difference. What a difference it will make. What we need can start right here today. And it must start in me. It must start in you. And it can happen right here if we just give ourselves to Him. Let's stand. Father, this morning, the world is in such a mess. Lord, we can see what's wrong. We can see what's happening. And Lord, we know that you are the only one that has the answer for that today. So God, we pray that you would help us to open our hearts and our lives. Every person in this building today, Lord, we pray as they open their heart, you will search them and you will see if there's anything within them that is limiting the power and the presence of God from working out through their lives. Help them this day, Lord, to ask for forgiveness of it. Ask for your power and a fresh anointing again upon their lives that they can go from this place as a shining light in a world that is filled with darkness. Father, meet every need in this building today. And Father, when this great move of God comes, we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Will you come?